in Seattle. Seattle. You need to buy yourself a home. We'll be right there for you. Because we're the realtors that you can trust. So go to RodandGunsitDown.com. Don't go anywhere unless you want to. It's the Ron and Don Show, starring Ron and Don, and sometimes me, at ronanddon.com. Hey, you guys, what's going on? Welcome to episode 628 now, the Ron and Don Show, and we are live to the Les Schwab Studios. What is up, Ron and Don Nation? And Don O'Neill's house with Charlie Dog over there taking the snooze. He's Ron, I'm Don. Thanks for stopping by if you need us. Ron Upshaw, Don O'Neill. There's the introductions. Why not find us at ronanddonsound.com? That doesn't even wake Charlie up. That's He's incredible. Used to it. Coming up on the Ron and Don show, nice guys. Yeah, they do finish last. <laughs> why don't women like nice guys? Ron's going to tell us why. He's a nice guy. Also, we got to talk about the top uh, food cities in America. I'm going to find out if Ron agrees with this. And you're not going to believe where Seattle has landed in the top cities. Before we get to that, though, let's get to this. Marshawn Lynch. Showing up on Club Shay Shay, and I have to say, it's been 10 years since the Seahawks won and then lost a Super Bowl. Marshawn Lynch has been asked many times about his relationship with the Seattle Seahawks, with Pete Carroll, and specifically Russell Wilson. And I have to say, Marshawn Lynch has never said much. He's like, hey, man, I don't know Russell very well. Uh, I've never really had his phone number, but he, if he's the quarterback and I'm the running back... I can roll with that. He's always been pretty okay with Pete Carroll until he sat down with Shannon Sharp, who used to be a Denver Bronco, now a great broadcaster. He has a podcast called Club Shay Shay. I would, instead of listening to the clips of Marshawn Lynch from the Seattle Seahawks, number 24, instead of just listening to the clips, listen to the whole hour broadcast. Because at some point, in my mind, he takes this moniker and this image of beast mode. He puts it up on the shelf. Dude went to Cal. He is one of the smartest football players I've ever heard. And he said what changed him is when he went into the NFL and he remembers going into a meeting and he called him an OG. There was an OG there. He didn't say who the OG was, but an old player. And he wrote something. He put something up on an overhead. And he said, do you know who these guys are? And Marshawn Lynch looked up there and he said, yeah, those are all my heroes. And the gentleman who's a former NFL player said, every single one of those guys that you're looking at on this board right now, who are your football heroes, all of them filed for bankruptcy and all of them are flat broke today. As a result of that, Marshawn Lynch said to himself, I better pay attention. I think I can work in this league for about 10 years. But at the end of the day, he looked at Michael Jordan's shoes and said, I better come up with some cleats. I better start buying some buildings. I better buy some restaurants. And as a result of that, Marshawn Lynch now is the OG that recently stood before the Seattle Seahawks on an invitation from Pete Carroll. And gave the same speech. The interesting thing he did on the money front that I thought was ingenious is he got someone recommended a financial advisor to him. 
So he met him, had a good uh, rapport. So he took all of his NFL money and gave it to that financial advisor. Then he met another financial advisor that he also liked. So all of his endorsement money and everything he made outside of football, he gave to the second financial advisor. So anytime he got a piece of financial advice, unbeknownst to each financial advisor, he would ask both of them for their opinion. And if they agreed, he would do it. If they didn't, he would figure out what he should do. And he's always kept those two bank accounts entirely separate. So a couple interesting things from that, that same deal. And it sort of dovetails with what happened on the football field with the Denver Broncos and New York Jets this week. So number one is I never knew that. that, So Marshawn and Shannon Sharp got to talking about Pete Carroll. They got to talking about uh, uh, Russell Wilson. And so he, Shannon goes into this story. uh, And do you know why he calls it club Shay Shay? No. Uh So he tells this story. That's the name of the podcast, by the way. He sits somewhere. It looks like, because a lot of these guys look that are footballers. They kind of look like they're sitting in their den. It looks like he's sitting in his den somewhere. I know Peyton Manning says that where he broadcasts from is actually his neighbor's house because I don't think he wants anyone breaking into his house. I have a hard time believing. He says, yeah, I broadcast from my neighbor's garage. I have a hard time believing that Peyton Manning broadcasts from his neighbor's garage. But think about that. It's pretty smart because if you wanted to break in to where he does the Manning cast, you're like, well... Peyton Manning has a lot of neighbors. I wonder which neighbor that is. So not sure I believe him, but I thought Club Shay Shay just kind of looked like, it looked like Bronco land, kind of boyfriend land, husband land, dude land in in his own house. When the Denver Broncos were on the road, uh, Shannon Sharp would take his hotel room and turn it into Club Shay Shay. And so all the guys would come over that he liked and some people, a lot of the players and they would have a drink, like he has his own Cavassier now, or, or Brandy, whichever one it was, uh, it called uh, Shea. And then when he was on the road, so they would come over, and they would, his big thing was, is that they would gamble with their per diem. So everybody got a per diem when they're on the road, and they would gamble with their per diem, and his room was known as Club Shea Shea. So people <laughs> would say, hey, where are you going? I'm going to Club Shea Shea. Wow. So the thing that he said, though, the Raiders had different rooms, but it wasn't for that. <laughs> when we travel with them, I'm like, what's going on in those rooms? Wow. Exactly. <laughs> so he Shay talks Shay. about it's Club Shack Shack. <laughs> he talks about the difference between a guy like Russell Wilson and a guy like John Elway. He said and he called him number seven because he started telling some stories. Yeah. And he's like, we'd be throwing dice up in Club Shay Shay. And I'd turn around and all of a sudden. Number seven is down on one knee, throws his per diem in the, in the pot, and he wants to play dice with everybody. And he goes, all of the fellas that, that Shannon was tight with were like, okay, all right, number seven's here. And then they would play cards, and, then, and they'd play Papa Shot for back at the facility. Then every time... He said, John Elway did not have an office on a different floor. He did not tell his players that his door had an open door policy. He would take his per diem and throw it down and be part of of Club Shay Shay or be part of throwing dice or be part of playing cards, not just because of of doing that, but to be one of the guys. Mm -hmm. And and so they were going into this with with Marshawn, and he said two things. Number one is he said, I never effed with Pete, meaning that – He's like, I'm, I'm not a rah-rah guy. Marshawn says this. Marshawn says this. Yep. He's like, I'll show up at the game. He goes, I, I don't need that to play hard. 
He goes, I'm just not wired that way. When it's game time, I can get into the mindset to go out and play at the NFL level. To be beast mode. He's like, I don't need a big speech. I don't need to be rah-rah and dancing around and, you know, Pete's throwing the ball back and forth. He's like, I don't need any of that. He's like, if the meeting is going to be 90% you doing that Pete stuff, he's like, I don't need, I'm not going to that meeting. And he said he and Pete Carroll had to come to some kind of understanding. And he said once they had that understanding that he would not be in those meetings. But he's like, if you're talking X's and O's or you want number 24 to do this and wham block here, I'm in that meeting. But if it's Rob Ross, his combage, he just said uh, 24 is not in that meeting. So then he said, and I've never heard him say this before, he said... He said, Russell Wilson is just a quarterback to me. And it goes back to him. There was a game when Russell thought he was going to have a career game, and he didn't, but Marshawn had a really good game. So Marshawn wanted to reach out to him and to tell him, hey, dude, I got your back. So he reaches out, and Russell won't give him his phone number. And then by the time uh, a call comes back from an un- a blocked number, Marshawn doesn't answer it because he doesn't accept blocked calls, which makes sense. He's a huge superstar at the time. And then Russell's people reach out and say, why didn't you answer the phone? Russell was calling you. He's like, from that moment forward, like he was done with that. And he contrasted it with a story about Aaron Rodgers in college where Aaron Rodgers was the starting quarterback for Cal when uh, Marshawn came from an Oakland high school to Cal and in they Berkeley, played, and they, and they played, played together. together. Yeah, and so he was a freshman, and the varsity was running through plays, and they called him in to run some plays, and he was shocked because he's like, "I'm I'm 18 years old." He's like, "I'm not I'm not even supposed to." I, mean, I thought I was like a practice squad guy, so he goes in there, and they wanted to see what Marshawn can do, and he said he messed up the play. That Marshawn went the wrong way, and that Aaron Rodgers literally flipped the ball behind his back so that Marshawn could get the the handoff, quote unquote. Then he ran his play, and the coach came over and was laying into Marshawn. And he said, Aaron Rodgers stepped up and he's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. That was my fault. And he's like, he didn't know Aaron from anybody. Hmm. And he was a freshman. Aaron was the starter. And he's, he's looking at Aaron, and Aaron's like, that was my fault. And the coach's like, what are you talking about? Marshawn went the wrong way. He's like, no, I didn't. He goes, I, I went the wrong way. He goes, I turned the wrong way. He goes, Marshawn did the right thing. And, and he said Aaron took the bullet for him, stepped in front of this coach, diffused the situation, and he's like, that was my guy. Yeah. He's like, anybody that would do that mm. out of the gate before I had proven myself, he's like, that was my guy. Mm. And so fast forward then to these same characters this weekend. <laughs> you have Aaron Rodgers that was going to be the quarterback for the Jets. And his his coordinator, his coach was Nathaniel Hackett, who used to be Russell Wilson's coach at the Denver Broncos last year, and they fired him. Nathaniel Hackett got fired because they didn't want to eat the Russell Wilson contract. In comes Sean Payton, the ex-coach of the Saints. He goes on national media, Sean Payton does, and says Nathaniel Hackett did the worst coaching job in the history of the NFL with Russell Wilson completely threw him under the bus. Aaron Rodgers and all the Jets took it very personally. And Aaron Rodgers circled this date on the calendar when the Jets played the Broncos because he wanted to absolutely pummel Russell Wilson and he wanted to pummel, more importantly, Sean Payton and have the back of his coach. Of course, Aaron Rodgers gets injured on the fourth play of the game. He's out for the season. 
Not this game. So the first, first play of the first game. Yeah. So they have their backup quarterback against Russell Wilson, you know, Super Bowl winning uh, quarterback, and the Jets end up winning. And Aaron Rodgers is there on his crutches because he Zach, wanted- Will, Zach Wilson for the Jets, Russell Wilson for the Broncos. Wilson against Wilson. And to watch the glee with it was an ugly football game, one of the ugliest football games you're ever going to watch. Hmm. Eight fumbles, interception, like six or seven field goals. Like it was not a good football game. I like those games. But <laughs> to watch Sean Payton sounds have like a, to sounds like a Seahawks game <laughs> roll across the field, yeah. and shake the hands of the New York Jets and the Jets. They 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 didn't really rub it in his face as much as they could have. But to watch then Russell Wilson have to go up after the game, it, the, the uniforms are spectacular. They did the throwback Bronco uniforms with the old horse coming out of the D. They look great. It was all orange with that white and orange helmet. I loved it. But he had to go up to the podium, gives his little thing, and then he did the weakest Bronco country. Let's ride. <laughs> I've ever heard. It yeah. is. I mean, there's just kind of a poetic justice to it that the backup Wilson beats Russell Wilson, mm. Sean Payton has to eat crow. And I, I hate to admit this, A.A. Ron Rogers is growing on me. Mm. I never thought I would give him a second chance, but man, when I, I watched him on Hard Knocks, because you, you recommended that to me, now hearing Marshawn tell me the story he did that, mm. he's just, I, I, I may have to forgive him saying he was inoculated. <laughs> that, that was when I just... Like, I'm done with it. You're inoculated. What does that mean? More on the other side. <laughs> you guys, what's going on? Happy summer. Ron and Don here for Les Schwab. It is the summer driving season, and they have a huge sale coming up. They have this every summer, but they're doing something I haven't seen them do ever. This is pretty cool if you want to drive into a Les Schwab and boom, immediately put $200 in your pocket. Yeah, you right now on the summer sale, you get a prepaid MasterCard valued at up to $200 when you purchase a set of four qualifying tires. You can save an additional $50 when you purchase the tires with your Les Schwab account. Sale ends on July 8th. All right, so Les Schwab, schedule that appointment right now at leschwab.com or when you see one of the 84 locations, you can just drive in and, and take a look at that time. You can stop by any location, tell them Ron and Don sent you. That's $200 with four select tires. Les Schwab, they've been doing the right thing since 1952. Investors, listen to me. You know, some investors aren't really investors. They're flippers. They're looking to buy a house and uh, flip it. But did you know that 40% of all Americans that hold a mortgage were refinanced down to a 2.8, 2.9, or 3.0. That's why you don't see any homes on the market right now for investors, unless, unless you're willing to get in there and compete and not flip. That means investors, instead of being a flipper, you have to do what I do and become a buy and holder, right? And we can teach you how to buy and hold investors with a Ron and Don sit down. Yeah, it all starts really simply with a Ron and Don sit down. It's about a 30 to 45 minute Zoom call, free of charge. There's no obligation. We'll see if we make a good team. Email me directly, ron at ronanddon.com, or you can go to the website, ronanddonsitdown.com.
All right, you guys, welcome back to the Ron and Don Show. And again, I, I encourage you, uh, listen to the whole interview with Marshawn Lynch and Shannon Sharp. I love that Shannon Sharp really, people just thought he was a dumb football player. He really does his work. He asks great questions. And, and a lot of times athletes will open up to him when they won't open up to other broadcasters, right? So he, he, he gets nuggets that are really, really good. So if you get an opportunity, as Ron said, the podcast is club. Uh, Shay Shay. Uh, nice guys. Ron, uh, do nice guys finish last? Boy, this was an interesting article you sent me. And it's uh, it's one of these articles where someone basically takes someone else's TikTok post and then turns it into an article, mm-hmm. which I just find super lazy. Absolutely. Where it's just like, they don't even add anything to it. They just transcribe the the uh, guy's content. But anyway, so the thesis of this guy's thing was that this certain type of nice guy always finishes last, and he tells the reason why. And the, the nice guy that he describes is someone that, and I don't know if I'll do justice of, of the way he explained it, but a guy that will crush on a, a female, lavish them with like a love bomb, like do all these things for them, buy them stuff, like be the go-to guy, always there, take him to dinner, What just lavish all this stuff on them. But the ulterior motive is that sooner or later they're going to wear them down and that this woman will eventually see how great they are and that they'll fall in love with them. And so he goes into this whole expose on why that's such a house of cards and basically turns the mirror back onto that type of guy who inevitably doesn't get that girl, um, gets taken advantage of in air quotes, even though they were fawning all over themselves to, to do everything for the woman, and then gets embittered and hostile because they, in a sense, viewed this woman as their property because they were making down, they were making installment payments on through all of these way over the top love actions. And it was really insightful, especially when the guy was admitting, he's like, this is me. Hmm. I did this for the longest time. And I still sometimes find myself want like sliding back that way. I have to guard myself against doing this. But he, he talked about it in such a way where you're like, wow, the, the, everybody's had an instance of that. I think in their life where you have an ulterior motive doesn't have to be male, female, or, or dating wise. It can be business wise or whatever. You have an ulterior motive. The other person sees it, even if it's subconscious, takes advantage of it or just takes it at face value and doesn't give you what, what you want. And to watch that entitlement come out and watch that ownership come out and how toxic that can be, I found it to be really enlightening because I, I don't think I do that. Uh, dating wise all that much, but there are times when I will have an ulterior motive in, in other areas of my life and you, you really have to let it go. Yeah. I think though it, it depends on where that comes from and then how that shows up and how you show up. I, I told my son this story the other day cause he's getting at an age where he's attracted to girls and he is starting to feel, uh, rejection. So, uh, one of the girls he felt re- rejection from, her name was Shauna. And then he found out later on 
that she was transitioning and her name was Timmy. So that's another story for another day. Well, so we'll put that one on the shelf. But he is, there's there, there's a couple of girls at school that he's attracted to and he he was he was wondering the other day when when they might like him back and then he was wondering what he should do in order to get them to like him. So I told him this story and I said, "You know, I I when I was younger, and even as I got older, and, and Ron knows this, into my 20s and 30s, when, when I would lose a relationship, somebody, especially someone that I dated for a long time, I, I would chase, I would connive, I would come up with elaborate schemes. Uh, you helped me make a love book for one girl. I would make videos. Um, songs. Songs, yeah. I would do, I would do all kinds of things. And it never worked because a lot of times when women are done, they're done. And a lot of times when they're done, I'm just getting started. <laughs> and so I, I had to look at this. And what really helped me was, was therapy. And when you do cognitive therapy, you don't spend a lot of time in the past. Because if all you do is spin your wheels in your past, you'll, you'll, you'll never things will never get better in the present and they certainly won't get better in the future. And then you never develop the tools because you're always talking about your past. So if you get signed up for therapy, you guys, or even if you go to an AA meeting or therapy or doing something online, if all you're doing is spinning and talking about the past, I encourage everyone cognitively to get in the present and figure out where your future is going to be. But you still, you, your, your therapist or the group you're with, they still have to understand sometimes in order to help you or help yourself what your past is. So what my therapist did, and I don't know if she did this with you, did she have you kind of write out the, the, your, your past history? I spent some, I spent a lot of time uh, writing that out. Did you ever, did you ever do that? Not, not in that way. No. Yeah. So I wrote it out. A lot of it had to do with my boyhood, my father, just all that stuff. And it was interesting because when it could be from the, I was in therapy six years from the, from the time I started writing those things. We wrote a song one time that was six years long because <laughs> you had a verse for every single date that you ever went on with this woman. Yeah, they're always long. So, so, so anyway, it was interesting. She was so thoughtful. And she could recall and remember, and she would sometimes go back in her notes. And it would be, I'd be two years in, and I'd be talking about something, and then she would reference something from my childhood that we'd never talked about. And I'm like, how does she know that? And it's because I had written it down, and she, she remembered writing it. Writing it. So, when, so when I was young, younger than my son, he's 13 now, and my father had left my mom, I remember following him uh, down the street to a liquor store, and I went into the Walgreens. And this is the family story. I don't know if it's true. It's just what I remember. I remember, this is what I remember. My parents had $11 in the checking account. The bank was coming for the house and our cars. Uh, my father was leaving my mom with four children. I believe the IRS was after him. His businesses had failed. Uh, Health-wise, he was in a lot of trouble. And I think financially, he's in a lot of trouble. And then we found out later on that he had forged her name, taken out another mortgage on that. Just So... I'm a teenager. I lose my bedroom. I end up sleeping on a couch for years. Then I move in with my friend, uh, Mike Marr, and I live with them uh, for the rest of, of my high school years. Most of the time I was, I was over there. But I, I remember chasing my father to the store, right? I remember chasing him. I remember the rejection of him telling me to go home. And he said something very mean to me in the store that I don't want to share on this, on this, on this podcast. And, and what Priscilla was able to show me 
is that in my life, a lot of times when I, when, when I felt such a great sense of loss of losing something, and it would never be with someone that I dated for a week or a month. It would always be someone that I had a lot of time invested in. And, 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 and what would begin to happen with, with uh, women that I was attracted to in my life is, is, in essence, I would end up chasing them to the liquor store. And, and a lot of times I would get in, in, into this chase and I would feel, I would set myself up to feel the same exact rejection that I felt as a young boy standing in the aisle, uh, of that particular Walgreens. And what I had to do, learn to do is deprogram myself. And you've, I've written blogs about this and you've heard me say this before, that you never chase a dog. And I asked my son the other day, I said, what happens when you chase Charlie? He goes, I can't catch him. I go, right? And I said, why is that? And he goes, well, because Charlie thinks I'm playing with him and it's a game. I said, but what happens when you stand there and you give Charlie certain commands? Does he come to you? He said, yeah, always. I said, why is that? And he said, because uh, Charlie knows I'm serious and Charlie's a good boy. And I said, that's why we don't chase Charlie unless we're playing with Charlie. And I said... The same thing can happen in relationships. And I said, the same thing can happen in business. I said, I don't chase a deal. I'm here to help people. If it turns into a deal, great. But we don't chase the dog. We don't chase a deal. And we don't, don't, don't chase a date. Because I said, in the same way that Charlie runs, sometimes that's what happens with partners that we're attracted to. They end up running. And if you just stand there very confidently, and you give them commands like we give Charlie, they come right to you. We will see you on the other side of this. <laughs> Send your email to Don at Amazon.com. with Mitch Weeks from Mitch.Loans. And Mitch, we've seen interest rates rise rapidly here uh, over the past year, 18 months. In the industry, what are you thinking is going to happen going forward? So they're still projecting rates are going to drop here near the end of the summer, definitely within the next year. And that means that now is the time to buy. So interest rates are going to drop. As we've said, we will help with the refinance on the back end. But rates dropping could mean a big influx in demand. Now, right now, there's a lack of supply, a lack of inventory, because people aren't willing to sell and get out of their low rates. If you buy now, you can beat the rush later. Okay, and also, then when the rates do drop, we can replace that rate with the new one. We sure can. Rate and replace. All right, he's Mitch at Mitch.Loans. You can buy now, replace the rate later when it drops, and Mitch take care of your loan fees. It's Mitch.Loans. All right, you guys, before we get out of here, uh, Wallet Hub. I don't know if you ever heard of Wallet Hub. They just put together a list out of 182 cities, which I don't know they stopped. Why did they stop at 182? Because there's many more cities in America than 182. Uh, they looked at 182 cities around America. They came up with the top 10 cities uh, for food, cuisine, ambiance. Is this in, uh, the, in the world or in America? In, in America. All right. Uh, Seattle has cracked the top 10. In fact, nice. uh, we rank 10. Austin, Texas, number nine. Las Vegas is eight. 
I don't even think Las Vegas should be in the top eight. That's ridiculous. I'm well, okay with it. Stand by. Do you know why it's in the top eight? Hang on. San Diego is seven. Tampa is six. San Francisco is five. Miami is four. Sacramento, Sacramento. Uh, number three. Interesting. Portland is number two. Hmm. And Orlando, Florida is number one. I do not see New Orleans, Louisiana on here, so this list means nothing to me. Go ahead. What say you, homie? I'll just say the the, the Vegas thing is interesting because as the new strip developed there, uh, and you had restaurant or, or things like Aria and the Cosmo and uh, these developers that made these really ultra modern casino complexes that were more about just the gambling, they went out to world class chefs and basically gave them carte blanche to create restaurants. So like I was just talking to our, our buddy Christian at the, at our client party. Cause he's, he's going to Vegas for work. And I said, Oh my God, if you're going to Cosmo, Jose Andreas has a group of restaurants there who of course, uh, is the doing that food, uh, initiative worldwide where he'll fly in How's the kitchen is, is are, sometimes when you cook for such big groups, the food's not very good or is good. Are his restaurants good? Yeah. So he, he was a, uh, a sous chef, at the Il Bouli, which was the greatest restaurant in the world, world, world kitchen. for like seven, eight years in a row. Then he, in Spain, then he moved to Washington, D.C., has these just world-renowned restaurants there. So my point is, is that you can go there and you get Jose Andreas restaurants. David Chang has Momofuku there. Um, Bobby Flay will have restaurants. Wolfgang Pluck has restaurants. So you can find a concentrated version. Gordon Ramsay has restaurants in Vegas. Uh, you can go there and find uh, restaurants from the top tier chefs all in one place. So like, you, and sometimes you'll be there and Gordon Ramsay will be there. Or sometimes when you're there, Jose Andreas is there. Uh, not always there, but it's it's kind of likely that you will see Bobby Flay or you'll see you can get world-class cuisine in Vegas. So that one doesn't surprise me. Sacramento surprises me. They, uh, hopefully no one in Sacramento is listening. To what, makes some world Sacramento class, what, what makes some world-class though? So, and, and I'll ask you. Are they world-class because you saw them on the Food Network? I mean, Guy Fieri is all over the Food Network, and his food is shit. <laughs> I think, here's the thing. His sauces, I, I, his foods, all that stuff is crap. I've had a brunch in Vegas at a Guy Fieri restaurant that was actually pretty good. Well, man, um, you know what? And I bet his name was on it. He had nothing to do with it. Because this happens all the time where people rent out their names, and they have nothing to do with that restaurant. So it, it depends on what kind of people love to go. I'm a foodie. Um, I don't like the word foodie. That's what this is. It's a foodie list. If you are into, so if you're into highbrow cuisine and or lowbrow cuisine, it's just different. And so, like for instance, you. How is Mama's from New Orleans not on here? Uh, mothers. Or yeah, mothers. I call mamas. Mothers has actually gone downhill. I was just talking to our buddy Charles about that. Yeah, they changed say? owners, and it's not as good as it used to be. Oh. But the point is, it's kind of like the five <laughs> spot here. They tried to bring the five spot back on Queen Anne. It's different owners, same name. Don't go there. Food's horrible. It needs a turnover. Someone else needs to buy it just because it has the name. It does, the 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 food is not consistent. It's not the same. The thing I loved about the five spot at the top of Queen Anne is every single quarter. They would change the, the the chef would change, and they'd say, "Okay, we're we're going to do Middle Eastern cuisine this quarter. We're going to do uh, we're going to do Southwest." And the, and they would do it, and they would they would spend the money, and it was amazing when you would go in there. 
Uh, now they don't even know how to scramble eggs. So, so uh, like for you, for instance, and take this in the right way. You have a, the most amazing sense of smell like anyone I know. You have a great palate. You're a good cook. But you, I don't think that you're, you're not a fine dining guy per se. Like, I don't think you have fine a desire. Dining, fine dining is a waste of time. It is a waste of time. You took me fine dining with your brother in Paris. The food was horrible. I'm like, why are we even sitting here? It tastes like mush. It costs so much money. And your brother was like, let's go have a cigarette, a pizza, and a beer. And I don't even smoke. And I'm like, if it gets me out of this Michelin restaurant, I love it. So let's do it. Anyway. <laughs> Hey, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Ron and Don Show. If they have a foodie list, and let's agree, New Orleans is not on there, Chicago is not on there, and let's say, for instance, New York City. New York City! Yeah, where do you think paste picante sauce comes from? I rest my case right there. I leave it at your feet up, Shaw. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you need us, just reach out. Hey, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. Let's get into your real estate journey. Whether you're buying or selling or life happened to you and real estate is involved, Don and I want to be on your team and help you uh, navigate this kind of complicated and very important part of your life. Yeah. All right, you guys. And also don't forget, we can do a sit down. If your real estate journey... Maybe it doesn't start this year. Maybe it starts next year. But the conversation starts now. Reach out to us, ronanddonsitdown.com. And again, if we can't help you, we'll find someone that can. And I have to say, people reach out to me all the time. Uh, They reach out to me for electricians. They reach out to Ron for plumbers because he clogs his toilet a lot. So does my son. So anyway. You need a trade, you need some help, you need a tile guy, whatever. You know where to find us. Don O'Neill on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, He is Ron Upshaw, uh, also on those same channels. I think I'm Don O'Neill34 on Instagram. If you want to see a reel of the party, yeah, it's up at DonO'Neill.com. Not Don O'Neill, RonandDon.com. And uh, we also have the new newsletter coming out, and you're writing about something pretty cool this week. I am. I wrote about uh, my takeaways from our, our big client party. You can get the Ron and Don Nation news at ronanddon.com. It's over yeah. the top. Hey, you guys. Thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, you keep your head up and your shoulders back. You've been listening to the Ron and Don Show. Only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Now keep your head up and your shoulders back and keep blowing that trumpet, and we'll see you next time. Only. Only. Only, only, only on the Ron Don Radio Network. Ron and Don.